Episode 192 of the White Cat Outdoors podcast, bringing you to the table where we talk about the outdoors. This week, Frank is out of the studio for the first time in quite a while, but that's okay. We had to move around the scheduling this week. Um, I had some wedding stuff I got to handle on our typical Wednesday night, so had to move some things around last minute. Frank couldn't make it, so we won't hold it against him too much, but uh, anyway, you still got me in the studio and my brother Tom. Uh, He's back, hopefully for good. And uh, this week we're just breaking down some tree stand safety, some tree stand trimming, and uh, kind of what are you what are you carrying in when you're going to check all your stands? Because that's what Tom and I are getting into this weekend. We got a big farm we're going to that's got probably 50 tree stands presets. That it's a lot of work to make sure that they're all safe and ready to hunt this year. And but it's important, you know, you can't can't uh, slack in those areas. So we're gonna break down how we go about it and. Maybe you can learn something if you've got a bunch of stands you got to prep this year. Um, anyway, I guess I'll quit rambling and let's get tuned so in to this week's episode. In. I pull up my bow and then I look dead at his antlers. I got out of the truck and when I slammed the door, I heard gobbles all around me. Alaska, moose, spot and sock. That is the bucket list. I agree. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the White Cat Outdoors podcast. I'm going to be the one bringing you in. If you don't know me already, I'm Nick. Uh, Frank's out today, so that's why we're not hearing him live bringing us in. So he had to use a sick day, but uh, that's neither here nor there. We got somebody sitting across from me. Who do we got here? Tom, and I tell you what, happy to be in the studio. Yeah, it's glad to have you back on a regular basis, Tommy. Yeah, summer's a busy time for me with deer season prep. And just food plots and mowing and yeah, we got farms. We got three farms we manage. You know, stretched over the course of probably two hundred and thirty miles. So yeah, it's a lot of time on the road, a lot of time on the fields. Um, but I mean, it's all necessary. So we try to give we give you a grief when you're not on because we know you don't listen. Oh yeah, but uh, we it's all for a good cause. Um, but this week specifically, what I wanted to talk about was uh, tree stand prep, because that's what you and I are heading up to do this weekend. Absolutely. Uh, we're heading to the far far neck of the woods, uh, the biggest piece of property we hunt. Uh, and I know on this podcast in particular, and then, you know, me, Tom, and uh, Frank, we're pretty big into mobile hunting, uh, but on an established farm uh, over the course of 40 years uh, on this piece, you know, not just us, but, you know, our relatives and uh, friends, you begin to develop areas that you know are good and it becomes so much more convenient to have stands in certain locations because you know that they're good and you don't want to have to drag a stand in every time. It's nice to be quiet. You know, you just walk in, sneak up the tree and you're ready in 30 seconds. Um, so 
like I said, we're heading up to our far camp. How many stands would you say we got to uh, check this weekend? I'm going to go conservative and say 50. Yeah. Um, pieces, I think, just over 1,000 acres total um, between, what, like two chunks of property? Like it's... Well, it's broken up into one, two, three, four, five, six different farms. Yeah, but it's all connected except for one piece. Yeah. So that's makes it a little bit easier. Um, but uh, Tom, why don't we start with, uh, you know, with this many stands and on this size of property, it would be an absolute nightmare if we had to carry everything by hand. So Tom and I use a side-by-side to, you know, navigate through the property, but why don't you Tell me what you like to have in the side-by-side when you're going out checking stands for safety and clearing lanes and all that jazz. So um, big thing is straps, straps to hold your tree stands on. We, I mean, if you read the warranty on a box or a tree stand box, they say they should be taken down every year. Mm-hmm. But how many people do you know hang all of their stands every single year? I do know a couple, um, but I'm not one of them. No, absolutely not. And I think one thing that a lot of people probably don't realize is most ratchet straps are not UV protected. Right. So sunlight alone can deteriorate ratchet straps very quickly. Um, obviously, squirrels, wildlife can ruin them. Uh, Trees growing. Yep. So obviously, straps are one thing. Uh, what else do you carry in the side-by-side? Screw-in steps. If you have a hang-on where, you know, it you're using steps to get up there. It's always good to have a couple extra of those. If you know, you find one that needs replaced or me and Nick used to do this cool thing where we would hang our stands and make them almost impossible to get in. You'd have to do a couple gymnastics maneuvers. And we figured that was to prevent other people from hunting our stands. But as I got older and more safety conscious, I, I no longer like that. Yeah. It's just, it's, not necessary, especially we don't have issues with like trespassers in the sense of like hunting. Yeah. So it's always nice. Like you're, you, cl- you hunt this stand one year and you're like, man, I, I really wish there was a step right here. It'd be so much easier to get into. Well, then when you're checking stands next year, have a couple extra steps with you just so you can make your stands easy and to get in and out of. And then the other big thing is, um, I like to have a handsaw a pair of snippers, and some sort of a pole saw. And even uh, just a general chainsaw is nice to keep in the, if, yeah. you, if you've got the room. Well, I guess, yeah, that too, because if you have a big farm like that, there's typically probably a trail system to get mm-hmm. you through the thousand or so acres. And for whatever reason, if a tree falls in the woods, it has to go across a trail. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty much a given. I don't know. If I've ever taken a rip through them trails without having to cut a tree out of the way. Yeah. So you're always going to have a tree down that you got to cut up and get out of the way. So, yeah, chainsaw is very good. Um, a couple years ago for Christmas, Nick got a DeWalt. Yeah, good thing Austin's not here. Yeah, electric pole saw. And that thing is money. Yeah, because I know, one, the, uh, the gas-powered pole saws are super bulky, super heavy. Uh, you're carrying, you know, your mixed gas plus your bar oil, um, and you're also banking on it starting up right away. Yeah, after it's had 
gas sit in it all winter long, all spring before. Yeah, bouncing it, around on the top of the side by side because there's no good way to carry a pole saw. Yeah. Um, like a gas powered one, they're usually 10 foot long and then they extend from there. Um, but the DeWalt one's really nice because you just smack a battery in the bottom. It breaks down into three three foot sections or f- four, something like that. It ends up being pretty, pretty long. Um, but I mean, using a pole saw to trim shooting lanes and stuff is clutch. I mean, yeah. we, we've for years used a hand one and they work okay. But the problem is, is sometimes the branch will pinch off or something and you end up getting a pole saw stuck in a tree and just a, a mess. And yeah. the, and the, uh, the snips on the end of pole saws never seem to work right. No. It, I mean, if it's like a pinky Yeah, maybe we're just using branch. it over capacity. <laughs> Could be. But that's why I like to have the hand snips and a hand saw in my bag. Because uh, I like to, once you get up in the tree stand, I like to just trim the little stuff that I can real close with my hand trimmer or my snips and my hand saw. And yeah. then I usually have either I'm up in the stand and Nick's on the ground or Nick's in the stand, I'm on the ground. And the person in the stand's going, okay, three feet left, that one branch right above the one with the Y in it kind of yeah, directing which lanes or which branches need cut to create a couple shooting lanes. Yeah, I don't know how you do it by yourself. I mean, I'm sure there's guys out there doing it, but man, having a buddy system for doing that kind of stuff makes it so much easier. Yeah, because, I mean, you're up in the tree stand and you're like trying to, and we don't go crazy trimming lanes. I want to have two or three spots where I can shoot out to 25 yards. So, I mean, we're cutting five, six branches out of the way each time. Yeah. And Because, I mean, concealment's huge. You know, you can't create a, you know, you put yourself in a tree that's all bound up, but then you put massive shooting lanes off to make it look like you're on a telephone pole. It just kind of defeats the purpose of concealing yourself in the tree. Yeah. And, I mean, if you're a crossbow hunter, I mean, it might not be as important, but when you're trying to draw a bow back, you need as much cover as you can. Yeah, I, I try to set up my shooting lanes with blockage, like for eyes and stuff, in correlation like i know one of the things we've done over the years with our food plots is put some sort of shrubbery or tree in the middle of food plots stationed throughout and what that does is gives you an opportunity for when a deer walks behind it that's your draw point and leaving certain things in the woods when you're trimming lanes to do that or set up your lanes because you know they're going to come through and odds are the the trail you're hunting you there's probably a few different spots you could get a shot within range um, so leaving, you know, a bush somewhere or setting it up so there's a big tree that, you know, his eyes are going to be covered for just a moment. It gives you an opportunity to draw back is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's another good thing about having somebody up in the tree is you can almost visualize, you know, where your shot's going to be from the tree and then have whoever's on the ground, you know, cut your lanes. Yeah. And it works out pretty well. Yeah. Oh, and another thing I forgot is a harness. Yeah. I That was I, another thing we used to not really worry about. <laughs> I used to never even hunt with a harness. None of us did. I mean, no. I'm glad we got smart before somebody got hurt, though. Yeah. And now I don't. I used to hunt hang-ons. I'd do all-day sits, take a nap up there. Yeah, no 20, shooting rail or nothing, 20 foot up. Just yeah. Raw and, dogging. <laughs> yeah. Now, if I'm, like, if I forget my harness, which I rarely, rarely do, but I've probably in the past three years hunted maybe three sits without it and if i'm in a hang on like 12 15 feet i i don't feel comfortable Mm -mm. 
No, and I think I think having a harness, especially in a lock-on, I think gives you more shooting opportunities. Yeah, because you can lean forward and yeah. off to the side, you know. Yeah, it takes so it gives you so much more confidence in the tree. Yeah. Um, I, I I don't even unless there's a shooting rail on a ladder, I still I have my harness probably ninety nine percent of the time. Um, the only time I don't have a harness is if I'm in a summit climber, which probably isn't the safest. It's not. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know for whatever reason I just feel safe up there. Yeah, yeah, we can't recommend that. I would even if I mean I haven't hunted out of a climber and I don't know how long. Um, but or, I always used a harness yeah, or a ladder stand with a. But I mean, we used rail. to hang all of our stands with no harness, no lineman's belt. We just hang off the tree and hope for the best. Um, and it having a lineman belt makes it so much easier oh, to yeah. hang a new stand. It's, yeah, it's more than just safety. It just it's, you're so much more efficient because you have both hands to work with instead of one being tied up holding on for dear life. Um, you don't get fatigued as easily just because you're you know you can rest off a little bit. Um, one thing that's I think overlooked quite a bit um, is especially when you're trimming stands and hanging stands is having good f- shoes. Um, yeah. I ran into that wearing, uh, and people will probably laugh about this, but I was wearing Hey Dudes when we were checking stands uh, or when we were hanging stands a couple weeks ago and uh, trying to stand on screw-in steps for 20 minutes at a time while you're screwing in more steps or trying to get the position of the stand right. I tell you what, there's not a whole lot of support. I might as well have been up there barefoot standing on those pegs. Yeah, um, there's not a lot of cushion in those soles. Yeah, so having a good pair of boots – uh, when you're hanging stands, especially if you've got screw-ins, is key. You know, whatever boots you're probably going to be wearing hunting would probably suffice. Right. And another thing is time of year for trees. Yes. That's always the last thing we do. Mm-hmm. You, yeah, that's you, a good point. You don't want to put, you know, your straps on your tree in... May right after turkey season, and then you have all of July, August, September for a squirrel to get them. And yeah, so we always we leave the woods alone from like September first until October, just mm-hmm. to let things totally calm down. We don't go in, um, but we always make stands our final weekend. Yeah, that way, uh, and I like to do it about a month before because you know you are. When you're doing that, you're making a lot of disturbance, putting new tree stands in, cutting branches, running equipment through there. So it does stir things up, but it has a whole month for the deer to settle down, get used to the branches that have been cut, the stands that have been if, if you hang a stand, your scent's all over it. The deer don't necessarily know, hey, that's a tree stand, but they know someone was here. Yeah, I've been walking through here you know, three days a week and all of a sudden I smell a bunch of human. Yeah. You know, and it, it can freak them out. So you want that time for that scent to get away. Cause like, obviously we're not, you know, there's certain stands that are good on different winds and, but you're going to all of them regardless of what the wind's doing that day. So and yeah. you've got ground disturbance, you know, like you said, there's trees getting cut. You know, if, if somebody, if you walked into uh, your house and your garbage cans, you know, sitting on the other side of the kitchen than it normally is, you're going to notice and same thing goes for deer. If they've been walking by the same tree every day for the last two and a half years and now a branch is gone, they're going to notice. And you don't want, at least in my opinion, I don't want that to to be the first time, you know, right as I'm hunting. Yeah. Um, I've even heard of guys that will actually put mud on fresh cut 
spots of limbs. I've heard that too. I mean, I don't go that far. No. But um, something if you if you somebody's doing that, let me know if you've noticed a difference before and after. Like, if you used to not do it and you do it now, if you notice a difference. But uh. But it, it's always a fun weekend. Um, if you have a new guy hunting your farm, um, like we had Austin up the first year, that's definitely a weekend you want to get them up there because you get to see every single tree stand yeah. on the farm. You know, it's good for scouting, see what's moving where. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just work. You can pick up some new intel. Well, and especially on that piece that Austin's hunting with us, there isn't, you know, there is trails now, but there, there's not really a system to where you walk down this trail to get to that stand. You know, for years up there, we had 115 acres. There was no trails. You, there was no way to tell somebody, you know, you go down this trail a little ways. And then when it wise off, you break off that way until you hit the fallen tree. And then up from there. Now, now with the trails, it makes it a little bit easier, but before it was, you just had to know where they were. Yeah. Um, so having, you know, a new guy on the property, it makes it so much easier if you can actually walk them to it. Because I know from experience being told and trying to explain to somebody sitting at camp, I can't tell you how to get to a tree stand. Not no. effect, not efficiently. No, especially if there's no trail system. Yeah. So being able to show them, you know, firsthand. Um, and you, you can also, everybody hunts differently. So some stands are set up a little bit different. Um you know, I like really close quarter action, you know, in some of our stands, you can see a lot farther and it's just not really my style. Um, but it, that's something you can learn too with setting your stands up. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing too, that I wanted to touch on is even though we have a lot of stands already put in place up there, it's not a bad idea to have mobiles like preset mobile areas Absolutely. too. Um, so what is different, Tom, when you're setting up? So you've got um, a tree that you don't necessarily put a stand in right now, but you think you might uh, want to hunt that later. So you're just going to bring a stand in. What changes for you when you're setting that area up? Or what, what process do you go through? I basically do it as I was hanging like a permanent setup. Um, are you talking like preseason or when I'm hunting, like actual hunting? Preseason. So like this weekend or maybe not even just this weekend, but I know there's certain spots where, you know, it hasn't, hasn't had the test of time to know for sure that you want to put a permanent there, but you know, you're going to hunt it. So what are you going to do preseason to get that spot prepped? I will take my mobile setup in there and climb it like it was a hunt and do the same thing. Just trim a couple lanes out. Um, I'll make sure I, when I do come back to hunt this spot that I do have shooting lanes. Now, right. do you, are you, do you mark trees or anything like that when it comes to like presets like that? Because being in the dark, it can be difficult to find the exact tree you trimmed out. I don't, I mark them on Onyx and mm-hmm. believe it or not, Onyx will get you pretty damn close. Pretty darn within 15 feet. And yeah. If you you're can in usually a 15 foot circle, you can. Figured out. I try and take a mental note of what the tree looks like, whether it's mm-hmm. got a big crotch or a common base or something like that. So, but another thing I forgot to mention, especially in archery stands, something that I don't, it may or may not get looked over. Um, but when you're in your stand trimming lanes, pretend to draw a bow back. 
Yeah. And make sure that there's no limbs that you're going to bump your elbow into or that your limb might smack into when you release. That's going to be big with Frank using the recurve this year. Being, It's a big bow. And that's the main thing is it's a lot bigger than uh, me, you, and Austin all shoot actually pretty small bows yeah. when it comes to like axle to axle or Frank's, I think, closer to like 50 inches or something like that. Yeah. And especially if you're, I mean, it equally as important, but for crossbow shooters, uh, I think a lot of the newer bows don't expand near as much as they used to. Like that old striker we used to shoot. Yeah. That thing would gain about four or five inches on either side. It would probably grow 10 inches total. And I've heard, I've never done it, but I've heard stories of people smacking a limb with their bow limb when they pull the trigger and it bow just blows apart. Yeah. There's so much energy stored in those crossbows. Yeah. So just make sure you can comfortably draw your bow back. There's nothing that's going to hinder you from doing so. Yeah. Um, another thing that I think I know I overlook a lot that I always mean to do, but always seem to forget. So I figure I'll say it now and hopefully I'll remember. Um, but when you're doing your due diligence of checking all your stands and stuff preseason, um, having plenty of paracord to just put preset uh, bow ropes in. Um, because I know my bow rope stays with my mobile setup. So unless I consciously remember to grab it, a lot of times I'll totally forget a bow hook and I get there and I'm sure if you've hunted long enough, you've had to throw a bow over your shoulder and climb a stand of climbing, like with screw in steps and sucks. Um, so having a bow rope, you know, to go as you're hanging or have, as you're checking stands, throw a bow rope up and bow um, hooks. Yeah. That was the next part. Yeah. Cause I buy a pack of bow hooks and my thing too, I think my hunting bag eats them cause I'll put like six, in the in the in my bag at the beginning of the year, and yeah, but see, I leave them in the tree. Uh, whenever I hunt, like uh, presets, like if I get into it, and it doesn't matter where I'm hunting, whether it's um, you know our farm out, either one of our farms, one of the, the far one, or if I'm at my grandpa's pr- place, if I go into a tree stand and there's not a bow hook, I leave it there, and just so it's easier the next time. Um, so yeah, I I go through a ton of bow hooks every year because. I'm constantly leaving them in the tree. I I did get better. I got one of those big, like, extendable, mm-hmm. not extendable, but swivel bow yeah. hooks. And I don't forget. I, I have forgot it, but I go I back s- and get it. I still have one. I was trying to talk you into go getting. Um, it's been in the same tree for, this will probably be its third or fourth season sitting back there. Uh, it's in a great spot, but I just have, it's one of them things, it's, Every time I'm hunting in that area, the wind's not right for me to go back there. And it's really far. So it's not like a, I'll just grab that one on my way through. Like it, it, I'm going back there to hunt the next time I grab it. Right. But could be, uh, well, it's probably grown in by now. Either that or cut down from the logging. Yeah, could be. It was in a pine, so. Yeah. Who I knows? Know they, I don't know if they cut pines. I haven't even been over there since it got logged. They took a lot down. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, any other little tips or tricks you like to share with the audience, Tommy? Uh, bring a cooler with some water because that is a hot, sweaty, dirty job, especially in late yeah, August, early September. Tip. Especially if you've got the side by side, you got room for a little cooler. Yeah. Um, 
you're climbing up and down trees, running saws, and sometimes a celebratory beer for the way back is nice. Yeah, wouldn't recommend doing it while you're checking stands because no. it drops production quite yes, a bit. Hundred um, percent. So if you just bring one in, one beer per person for the ride back, it's always nice. Enjoy a hard day's work. Yeah, um, on a nice cooling side by side ride, get the wind blowing through you. Oh, yeah. yeah, but uh, yeah, cold water on a day like this because it's most likely. You're trimming stands and doing all that stuff in late August. It's usually really hot. It's usually really humid. Sun's out. And I sweat like a greased pig doing that kind of stuff. And then tree bark sticking to you. Chiggers are sticking to you. It's all nice and to have some cold water. And if you have a, stand or a farm where you know there's 50, 60 stands, it's going to take all day. Put some sandwiches or something, granola bars. Yeah, it keeps production high because I know if you break for lunch – it never goes well. Yeah, because then you have a beer with lunch, and yeah, if you fire up the grill, then you gotta have a beer while you're grilling, and and sometimes then one just, with your meal, and you just never get back for second shift. Yeah, so pack a few bologna sandwiches, and you'll be set to go. Yeah, plan to make a day of it if you got a lot of work ahead of you. Yeah, well, Tom, I oh, pre- oh. one more pro tip. You guys do this every week. As soon as I go to close out, somebody's got one more. I thing. know, but this farm that we hunt. Uh, that we're going to this weekend, there's a good mixture of field and woods. Mm-hmm. And you can set it up properly to where you're doing the field in the early morning when it's still kind of cool. And then by the time the sun comes up, you're back in the woods in the shade and a little bit cooler. That's you don't want to be in the woods when it's cool and then out in the open field when it's blistering Yeah, that's hot. a good tip. Definitely start in the field edges. Yeah. Get all that stuff done. A good call. It was worth interrupting me for. Yeah. Well, I'll try this one more time. Uh, appreciate everybody tuning in, listening every week. Um, hopefully Frank's back next week for all you ladies and gents that are tuning in. Um, but I don't think we have anything further, so you guys all know what to do. Get outside. <laughs>